Someone else has already said it best. This is the best, the best of it. The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best I could. Doing my best. 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 Welcome to Best of the Best Podcast with myself, Connor Keyes, alongside me as always, Mr. Ronan Gallagher Mullen. Gallagher, Gallagher. Gallagher. Gallagher from, from Tyrone, but it's Gallagher if you're in Manchester. Uh, isn't that the, because the mass is Gallagher, <laughs> and they say Gallagher. Uh, yeah, that's the mank added to it. Uh, a very special guest today we have uh, coming along with the Oasis vibe, Mr. Darren Mitchell, you're very welcome. Nice man. We're... Uh, First time uh, on the best of the best, so uh, hopefully it's not your last. Although it should be because you're bringing Oasis to the to the table. But and he's too young. He's far too young. He's far too young and too handsome. But we'll let him back. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> so Darren, yes, uh, Oasis, definitely, uh, maybe. Yeah. You brought it to us. Give us a wee brief snapshot. Why is it your best? I think it's up there for me in a way, and debut albums along with Appetite. Mm, yeah. Has been the best. Straight out on your face album, you get like it's mm-hmm. pure, it's punk, it's blues, there's everything in it, and it's just straight from the old. Like, and he says it's all about just what he wants to do yep. drinking, drugs, shagging. Yep, he well, I mean, in fairness, he's, like, he's got his priorities sorted, <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty much, pretty much where it was at that time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, when they, ex- they uh, well, I was going to say exploded, and they did explode uh, onto the scene. You see, I mean, my, very, my memory of it was that this grew. And then Watch the Story was fucking massive. But in reality, this was massive. This was massive, and then Watch the Story was bigger again. I like. I think this. Yeah. I don't I, think I give it the credit at the time that it it got. Yeah, I think I think yeah that there's a big uh, rural Tyrone element to that pre uh-huh. pre internet, unfortunately, because <laughs> my f- first re- recollection of them at all was Wonderwall video. Uh-huh. Because realistically, pre-internet, look at that uh, young bastard wouldn't know anything about it. No, he's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not even. It didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> there was no internet. Um, so that year, 94, 95, when you're sitting in uh, Oma uh, Boys and Girls Club playing snooker with John the Biscuit. You, <laughs> you, Everybody knows called John uh, the Biscuit. Honestly, <laughs> I swear to God, this tune came on and we had heard of Oasis, but all we had heard at that stage was, which we'll talk about in a minute, is the hooliganism and all that sort of shit. Yeah. yeah. And then this tune, you're like, what is that? And uh, it definitely, yeah, it exploded. But up until that point, really, they hadn't really been given that sort of the credit that they probably had deserved. Yeah. And they definitely got no, it in England. They'd got it in England, and they got it in the US as well. It was got quite Japan, big. I, it was, like, there's a lot of clips in that documentary by them where they're fucking huge already in countries and not as big in the UK as they are in, like, darn said, Japan. But Japan was a weird one, wasn't it? You Japan, said, yeah, said it was nuts. It was yeah. like Beatlemania all over again. Like, you we, can see that. We have the, no followers in Japan, so just, just get down to it. Yeah. It's fucking strange place. Strange, strange place, the guy. Has to be. Um, mad, mad. They're into hair. They're into hair. They're into buying nags out of English. They have a fetish about hair. To the point, even Japanese porn, uh, that's what's pixelated. Aye. Is the hair. The hair? 
So when these fucking monkeys appeared, <laughs> <laughs> these well, walking pixelations, well, two boys with one eyebrow between the two of them. <laughs> it was just heaven for them. It was a fetish, I think, is what it was. Uh, but no, I think I mean obviously the music really sort of banged home there earlier. And again, it might be down to uh, maybe distribution or something. To get, but it, it took a wee moment for it hit the UK. But when it hit, by fuck, it hit. It hit. Like we will remember the, 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 the early days of the sort of the Britpop movement. Yeah. Happened during our time, I suppose, mm-hmm. and, um, of, of trying to trying to play music. Um, well, I'm only speaking on my behalf. I, I, I genuinely remember us being in the Royal Arms, Muse, mm-hmm. and I played, I think, three songs of this album in one set. Yeah, everybody and I, was I knew you were there because that was the day that Hunter's Crescent uh, <laughs> Brought up the name. The band should be called Johnny Spoonface and the Blue Eyed Pencils. <laughs> and we were like, he's being serious. And you were all follow going, aye, change your name now. And we're like, but we've got posters and all of them. And you're like, no. Nah. And you know, you sort of had a lesson like and P.O. was about. You know what I mean? You can, you just, things you just have to do when you're told. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, uh, obviously we know now, uh, Darren, I mean, it's, it's uh, it kind of grew bigger. It grew more to be about the two brothers and it did about the band. But Aye. this album definitely is about the band. Aye. I mean there the you can the the noise out of this thing, you know Stand clearly. It's I mean uh, my my youngest brother is a big actually texted the other day just randomly he didn't know this was happening Aye. and said uh it's is it mad how many fucking bangers Oasis actually have? And I was like, Well oh you didn't tell him I didn't tell him we were gonna oh, no, right. I didn't mention he just happened he just said that he was just Whatever, <laughs> it was a good day, the window was down and Oasis was blaring out the car. People always say, like, oh, Oasis are a while overplayed because you have, you have the radio friendly songs, you've got Wonderwall, yeah. Coming Back in Anger, and then maybe She's Electric, but he's on the radio, right? But, but then all our stuff, it hit you in the face, like. Mm. The noise of it did, I mean, the sound, but and I that's mean. That's the song, I don't remember, the, the, the Wonderwalls, etc. aren't my ones I go to. When oh, I think really? of this, I, I automatically, well, when I think of Oasis, sorry, I automatically go for Rock and Roll Star and Cigarettes and Alcohol, and even Columbia. Oh, it's I Columbia always hear Christian, like yeah. every time there's a live clip of Oasis, it's them playing Columbia, and it sounds lethal live. Like. That's yeah, that's it. Uh, I I'm going to declare it right away when I'm in the day back in the heyday, and it was again you two remember this when it was real proper proper rivalry between Blur and Oasis. I was on the Blur camp, okay. so I have to declare they're a good band. Well, and even when I got down to the nitty gritty, when it came to Oasis and uh, it's the Noel versus Liam camp, I was always on the Noel camp. <laughs> I was for a while too on Noel camp, but then. But as I got older, things I, fucking have changed for yeah. me. Liam came back. I just started doing concerts. Like, and you go to that. It's literally, is football hooliganism on side of uh-huh. house. Like, I think. Like, I think that was my biggest problem. We've talked about it before on here. I I had one experience of Oasis. Went to see them in Funsbury Park in uh, two thousand and two thousand one, and. It was at the point where you could see they didn't really care anymore. Aye. And it was one of the worst gigs I've ever been at. It was People fucking awful. They were very hit and miss after 2000. Oh, man, it was and really was it, awful. Was it sound? And was it what? It was, was just it? everything, his whole attitude. He didn't even... And he does that... He did that thing towards the end of Oasis, and that's kind of... We'll, get, we'll come to that as, as it goes on. But he kind of stops midway through the line. He hadn't a breath. You know, I that's probably a fucking... Coke and he said it <laughs> himself, he ruined himself. He never looked after his voice. He, he said it was like... Singing for him was like going into a boxing match every night because it completely ruined his. He stuff. couldn't get to the end of the line, and then he was giving grief to the audience, calling them wank. You know, and I was like, oh, as he's got older, but I'm like, let's come back. Fuck, I don't know. And that supersonic documentary, I do have to say, kind of saved me a bit. Going, aye, all right, maybe I might. I might each other like, in their own rights. They like are absolutely. Just, yeah. What do you call the Liam Gallagher documentary? As it was, as it was, it's quite good. It was good. Yeah. but I mean, again, it's more like a continuation of Supersonic where. Aye. 
obviously they were filming at the same time or you know we've been edited together interviewed together but there's no no involvement in that one at all so the band ultimately started with liam and the rest without no and then he so you basically had because you remember the time i mean the attitude have you really do we need to say who's in this band well you've got yeah give us the full list um bonehead (laughs) bonehead Gwigsy. Your boy, your boy from Taddy Ray, Tony McCarroll from Taddy Ray. <laughs> was it Taddy Ray? Was it definitely Taddy Ray? Because I heard his, fam- his family was out that direction. I, mean, I don't know. Aye, so they're close. He's obviously English. He's, he's was born over there, wasn't he? Aye. Yeah, and then Liam and Noel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But originally, Noel was on tour with Inspiral Carpet. He was our drum tech, and he was a technician. Mm-hmm. And when he came back. Liam had started singing this band and he didn't fucking even realise that Liam sang. Aye. <laughs> so when he comes back, the boys are all practising and Liam has already changed the name. It was The Rain first. They were, the uh, they were called The Rain. Why did he change it to Oasis again? Seen, they said they were sitting, I think they were on the boardwalk at the time after Noel came back because they asked Noel to come back and be their manager. Aye, aye, that's right, that's right. Because they like, oh, he's been on tour the worldwide with Inspiral Carpets, he knows what he's at, that kind of thing. But they said they were on the boardwalk and they seen a poster for an inspiral carpets and one of the, the dates on it was like Swindon Oasis Leisure Centre. That's right, yeah. And then yeah. he said he kept seeing it on like taxis and kebab shops. Uh, and I swear like, it was that was the one. Then he says, oh, I'll just go with it because it's everywhere and then he means it's kind of like they're out on their own kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like an Oasis item kind of thing. He's like, aye, fair enough. So they, they always had the attitude. They just didn't have the songs until Noel came along. Uh, um, Noel had been writing, he had like two albums or three albums worth of songs written before the first one was even out. Like, Yeah, and I mean, uh, he, he was very prolific as you say. There's oh, a lot right. of songs, like a lot of stuff came out. Um, his, I mean, we've got a clip here, and this didn't do them any justice. I thought, especially for me at that time, I I only heard then the the, the bad things, yeah. and it kind of took your focus away from the music, which mm-hmm. is what it should have been on. Um, but this is a uh, the story of them going on the uh, on the ferry to Amsterdam. This is pre album debut album. They've recorded one version of the album, uh, but it sounds shite. Like so they're going to have to go back and do it again. Yeah. And this is the they're supporting the Verve, yeah, in Amsterdam, yeah. On the ferry, I don't know how we get on the ferry because we're pissed, but we get on this ferry. As fate would have it, there was a load of West Ham fans on this overnight ferry. It's got a casino on it in the fucking nightclub. The Thursday night ferry to the dam. Who goes to Amsterdam on a ferry for the weekend? What kind of clientele? <laughs> Drink of choice for a few hours, champagne and Jack Daniels slammers. Jesus fuck. The next thing is that sporadic fighting is breaking out all around us, really. Liam is very excited by the prospects <laughs> of a lot of chaos going on and he goes and joins in. Yeah, it was fucking mayhem, man. I loved it. You can see him running through the windows along the deck. He's having a great time. He looks like he's in a school playground chasing leaves. Liam. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great quote. Like, that's a good quote. <laughs> you just, everybody knows one of those guys, don't you? Oh, just a boy who loves around <laughs> and whenever it breaks out, he, he can't contain the excitement. Um, and so yeah, that, but that that I mean, sort of followed them then, it sort of it, it tarnished them a bit. But then I also think it it also helped. Mm. There was no such thing as bad publicity. Like the bad thing. boys kind of thing coming through. Like the bad boys coming through, but it, it really, really, uh, definitely at the time, really appealed to the working class because their background and all the rest. Oh, it right. really just and Blur were the sort of art house fucking univer- university fucking toss. Yeah, so 
Oasis sort of then, and maybe that's why I went to Blur because I was fucking living Hunter's Crescent. I want to get the fuck away. I don't want another. I don't want another <laughs> bunch of fucking. <laughs> I've got loads of them. I've loads of them mates hanging around me. Tommy Tunis is like a make them me that. Tell me some intellectual stuff there, please. Uh, while there's boys fucking snorting tons of cocaine and just getting absolutely yeah. out of it at Oasis gigs. I remember reading there was a real uh, an interesting publicity tactic or advertising tactic at the time when the album was recorded and Creation Records were going to promote it. Instead of promoting it in the NME and Melody Maker and Q Magazine, they promoted it in Mixmag and like football magazines. Right. Yeah. Because it was yeah. a type of people that were really yeah. into the, the, the band or that type of sound anyway. So, and it clearly worked. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but I mean, Creation Records, obviously, Alan McGee, yeah. um, one of the guys that, that, who they keep talking about in Supersonic as being almost fit like in the yeah. sense that he uh, just happened to be in like Glasgow they drove from Manchester to Glasgow to play in uh, King Tut's King Tut's Wawa, Wawa. Hut, mm-hmm. is it still there? Mm-hmm. I don't, it is still I there so, yeah. oh, right, yeah. okay. uh, and then because like, he was saying I think they met his girlfriend who was playing in a band who were supporting them on before them and then she was like oh he's coming down tonight and she was putting shade like she didn't mm-hmm. even know he was coming down at all Oh, so he just laid a little yeah, arse, right? He, he ended up just showing up anyway. And then they were saying on the way home, they're like, that had to be fit. Like, there's no way we drove from yeah, Manchester to Glasgow. And, and cost him money. That's why he just showed up, like, at the same time. Well, McGee was known for being, I mean, uh, a fucking madman, basically. Oh, mm-hmm. Ultimately, man. Uh, the new film coming out this week or next week. About McGee? McGee, yeah. Uh, Ewan Bremner. From Transpotting oh, plays him. Oh, yeah. it's not a documentary. No, no, it's a, it's a. I don't. I think it might be a Sky original or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's going to be a Sky cinema. I heard there all day. Um, he saying Primal Scream, too, didn't he? He was at Primal Scream, and they, I mean, Creation Records had um, Teenage Fan Club, Spiral Carpets, Spiral Carpets, and all that there. So I mean, they had a great sort of repertoire already or portfolio, but I mean, the reputation. It was almost like a fucking fusion of energy because <laughs> you had the madness of Oasis and then the madness of Alan McGee and the two of them fucking. Like he he sang them without even listening to that demo tape. He heard them play like two songs that night. Yeah, so and one of the songs was a shit one. Aye. that never actually really became a big big. It was tune. demo tapes, like. Yeah. But, um, he said they went up to Noel after the concert, and he was like, "I want to sign you." And Noel was like, "Well, do we have tapes here and stuff." He's like, "No, I want to sign you now." And that was it. That was it. The, one, the, 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 the <laughs> one thing when you look back on their on on their. Uh, they were very prophetic in what they talked about. They believed they oh, were going they to be were the, the biggest. Band like, the yeah. they were still sitting in like. And and they believed they were going to be to the very top. And you have to give it to them. I mean, what they believed and is exactly what happened. Um, and it's very few bands get to do that. But it's a weird. It has to be that brother thing. It had to be that sibling thing. That because one dickhead in a band with mm-hmm. that mindset wouldn't have worked. No. Do you know what I mean? But two of them, <laughs> and two then decades, bringing that, two decades but, one them, but one of them, well, both of them with their own individual talent that made a fucking a, a mighty team. Because mm-hmm. his voice, now I don't like his voice. I have to say, Liam's I, voice. Yeah, I find it very nasally. He I, always I, I, sang I, I, through his. On this year, when he's come back, it sounds nasally. But back, you watch the rehearsal clips of them with the boardwalk. It's really, it's a lot higher pitched, and it is very. He used to be very raspy, throat, aye, yeah, throat, like. but it's very but through the nose. That's now. not evident in this album. No, no, oh, no that's no, developed. No. That was actually more album live. Actually, and, and in, live, in yeah. studios, he was actually bang on. They but, on the first three yeah. albums, but see, after be here now, it was just it was just coke. Uh, yeah. for a year uh, they said that themselves like and that completely ruined them like. vibrations trying to go through the sinuses yeah. that are filled Jesus. with fucking powder and the way he sings you can see everything's been like you said pushed pushing up. everything, everything out. Out, yeah. and Stands, if you're not breathing in between uh, that, that you're going to fucking pass out mental, like. well back to the album then so one of the biggest songs and probably uh, I think the reaction from the rest of the band according to the documentary was of 
fuck off, you didn't write that, mm-hmm. uh, was Live Forever. Yeah. Um, which, again, is a is an absolute fucking, I have to say, is, now, a, is a banger. See like the start of this? Listen to the kick drum. Sounds like you're hitting a table and then all of a sudden it fixes itself. I, it's, a, it's a very strange See Seeing the remastered beat. one, uh-huh. uh, you can hear fucking crystal clear that clearly somebody three seconds in went, fuck, turn the kick drum on. <laughs> and then you hear it like a thud. But at the start, it sounds like two pennies clicking it together. It was so weird, yeah. Because I, I, I genuinely thought that was a a, a a piece of kit that did that for uh, me. No. no they just, just didn't fix the first beat. Perfect. Sounds fine, then. Uh, never noticed that thing. It's weird. Maybe I don't really want to know how you got in girls. Cause I just want to fly. Lately, did you ever feel the pain in the morning rain as it soaks you to the bone? You have a tune like that, that, and if you see the video as well, I mean, you've got everything then comes together, don't you? You've got the attitude, the look, and then the sound, mm-hmm. because that was a fucking, <laughs> was a great tune. To great tune, and even when you hear the, the acoustic so, no, solo version, it's unbelievable version. Acoustics, like, you know? ah, it's really, really... They played it with a 12 string, it was the, I think it was off the promoter of the album, they were in Paris, in the Virgin Megastore. Yes. And there's a 12 string acoustic version, and I think it... Passes all over that. Ah, version, so, right? and th- and that's a great song. Yeah, and, and this just this way. this sounds like a mighty uh, version of it. Yeah, you know, I uh, I loved especially because I was when I when I I didn't like the uh, Liam. Uh, yeah. I was always in the Noel camp, so whenever the unplugged happened, remember when mm-hmm. unplugged happened, it was deadly because Noel sang them on. I was like, oh fucking bliss. <laughs> it was the deadly. But what sort of dickhead? I know. Turns up anyway. <laughs> from the best seat in the house, yeah. drinking, drinking, yeah, oh. with a throat problem, shouting, um, remember, shouting with a throat that, problem. That at the time was such scandal, man. Yeah, like <laughs> I was fucking, I was Brilliant. all over. But I mean, that's it, all we had to worry about. It, yeah, but that was kind of their role too. They kind of then got sucked into the sort of political sphere after all this. But this not, not during this. And this no, is why no, it, no, this no. is when they were pure in yeah, that sense. Um, I agree. Uh, you know, remember Tony Blair and all, and fucking brought them on, all that yeah. crack with labour and all that sort of shit. Chris and Evans like, and all them boys, and all turned up at fucking Downing Street. Yeah, but the thing is, and and you could nearly suggest that they were obviously uh, almost prepared to be, you know, the global superstars that they thought they were going to be, and America <clears throat> had to be there. Yeah. You know, they had to break it, like mm-hmm. anybody had to do. And I always then put it down to, well, that's just proof that they're shit, because they didn't make America, and that was always my argument for years. Then you watch the documentary and you went, oh, okay. Yeah. They did? Crystal meth. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they were crystal meth. It was crystal meth. And I was right. like, I Jesus fucking thing. love him more because he was snorting lines of it on the stage. Off the marshal, <laughs> like, by thick lines of Where was that? Was that, that was the whiskey go-go? Whiskey go-go. Sold out. Like, sold out it had been like, filmed. And it had been filmed. And he's snorting you crystal meth. You yeah. see it in the film, like, like Liam's standing there and he's like, he's hanging out of him. They haven't slept all night, you see, because they bought what they thought was cool the day before. And then they started doing it, and they're like, fuck, I can't sleep. <laughs> and it's then it's the day, the day of the show, mm-hmm. when they've been up for two days, and they start the show, and then to make things worse, Noel's got a different set list than the drummer, and Bonehead's got a different set list again. They've yeah. got three different set lists on stage for the opening track, 
And you can hear that in the film, like the players play it. It's like he's playing Shake Maker, no playing Rock and Roll Star, and fuck knows what. Don't play. Like, <laughs> that's why you never. That's why you never give mob. the roadie team the same drugs you're taking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus, <laughs> Leave that to the band only. Yeah, yeah. So and now I'm. This is not me slagging now because I wouldn't slag Oasis. <clears throat> Side either. But it, the fact that it took nearly two and a half minutes to realize fuck we're playing different songs shows you how similar all the songs are uh, <laughs> they're quite mm, sort of follow the same chord patterns and stuff i, and I would agree there's a working formula though because <laughs> but there is a formula yeah and I, I i will agree that when i heard it and they went we realized we were all playing different songs i went were you <laughs> and then i rounded back and went all right He's definitely playing a different oh, no, song. It, def- and it became more apparent with one of them, definitely, yeah. But I think at that part in the documentary, I'm just still <laughs> trying to wrap my brain around, these boys are on crystal meth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a no, fucking not, serious... No, not only on crystal meth. You can understand the the the, the mistake of buying crystal meth thinking uh, it was coke, uh-huh. but it's the continuing to take it, knowing what it is, uh-huh. is what's fucking <laughs> genius. And, and as rock and roll as you can get, because... Oh, I mean, it was quite a statement to come out on your first oh, debut album, debut track, to say, I'm a rock and roll star. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's a fucking attitude straight out of the gate. Uh, and they lived up to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but again, they never got that sort of, what would you call it? I wouldn't call it praise, but they never got that recognition at the time that there was an actual reason. It wasn't until recently mm-hmm. that I had even heard that story of <clears throat> the Crystal Man. No, I didn't know it neither. never I didn't knew know. that was a, a thing that went on, but... So that sort of maybe was it, it. It planted the seed for a lot of public fights, if you want to call it that. Aye. Well, no, no. Give, them, you, give the tabloids something to get at them for. Yeah. Because they were just before that they were like they were working class boys who made white good tunes and they went out and done their little whatever. But then they seemed to do drugs. And they're like, right. Aye. In fairness to the tabloids, in fairness to the tabloids, it didn't take a lot to stir the fight. <laughs> <That's> fair <laughs> enough. <I>. No. <laughs> the topics could range from fucking Sorry, yeah. what the what's for dinner. As oh, uh, no it, it's just, I think it was proper brothers, wasn't it? In that sense, Aye. but I mean, it it must have been a nightmare for the rest of the band. Uh, it's t- it's you're going to see a mental breakdown. I wouldn't. wouldn't he had a mental breakdown before Eric's court. He he quit the band, and then they brought some other bases in, and then he done. He was on the Wonderwall video shoot, and he was like, "I miss my bird." <laughs> And Noel was like, "Fuck off, <laughs> get out of the band." Oh, he's in the video. He's in. He was in. Oh, what does? What was the band? It was um, Shed Seven. Was it something like that? I think um, it was. He's this real foppish sort of boy, right? And he's on. He's, with, he, is, he's with them for like three weeks, and oh, then he's I, like, "I must move over," because they're on another <laughs> wee mini tour of America, and he has to fly back. Doing the Wonderwall video and all, and then they're like, "Wait, he get back here now?" Hey, then they don't let him in as a four piece. That's right. Bonehead on base, like, and they managed it, like, but you need the five men there. Oh, right? that's a. Yeah, well, well, I think that is the thing, the key thing you hit there, the five piece, because a normal, normal band being a four piece. Yeah. I mean, that second guitar, I mean, it's, it's, it's unreal, the difference it adds to the whole... Well, the, the reason we're, saying, we're talking about that is because if you ever hear, it's in the documentary and you can get the audio, I believe the audio is available on like a box set of the, first of the original master of the oh, recording. Dung, hey. And it, yeah. so, it sounds like there's no guitar. It sounds yeah. like a tin pan, the whole thing. It's, it's just sounds unbelievable. And it sounds like a terrible tribute band, Aye. even though it's the exact same track Aye, you end no up listening to. Yeah, there's but no they're lyrics. saying, Bonehead was saying, they were in the studio, they did that the method where they all record together at one time, yeah. and then you do overdubs or whatever you need to do, mm. and they were playing it in the studio going, this sounds lethal. Yeah. And then they go out and listen to the recording, like, what the fuck's this? <laughs> this is totally different than what we just heard. Because Noel's saying he wouldn't knew any better, because they, he's all, they're always on stage, mm-hmm. and what they hear on stage is obviously completely different to what somebody in the middle of the room is hearing. Yeah. Yeah. So they're playing it, and they're like, right, this actually sounds tight, and then they listen to it, and it's like, this is dirt. Uh, it's not... Like and, they, and they were obviously, in the documentary, they were talking about the, they realised it was the sound guy. 
Mark Coyle. Clearly the guy didn't know what mixing was. But he knew live how to make them sound, of so course, he put them course. in the studio. But they ended up with Owen Morris then as being the sort mm-hmm. of oh, right. sort of the final cut, I suppose, or the final mix. I think he was like at the, the, chief, the chief engineer, and then you have Mark Coyle doing the mixing because he'd done the live sound. Right. And they yeah. got him on because he knew what it sounded like live, and he just do this. They'd be like it's in a studio, but they're still playing live in a studio. Mm-hmm. Just tweak it for that. Yeah, of course. And that's all you had to do. Uh, and Morris then ended up working with them then for what's the story as well. Ah, then and, um, be, here now as and well. be here now. Um, the crazy Welshman as they called him and the oh, thing. But so Liam and Noel. I mean the the fights. We have a clip here of an argument. Ronnie, you wanna? Th- this <coughs> is just from a, a, this is later on, but it's typical of them fighting. It's literally just. <laughs> Noel's been interviewed by a Japanese person, he's going, everything's been going well, except for last night. And then somebody's just happened to record the two boys, and the, we, the argument is definitely an argument I've had with my brother. And it's definitely <laughs> an argument that we've all heard siblings have. But when you hear it from two professional millionaires sitting in a luxurious <laughs> restaurant, drinking wine, you're going, how long the fuck, boys? <laughs> Coming on the line. Yeah. What was, what's the mode of the band like with this moment? Um... It was alright until last night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think Liam started to see himself as a bit of a mad genius. It's just pissing me off that you're blase about Why are you trying to pick a fight? We've only just got into the country. Are you going fucking lick ass from enemy all the time? It's like our record off. He's doing a cover next week with him. It's all good crack to me. I don't give a fuck one way or the other. I'll your records, but I do. And I'll buy you a big house in the country and off, shut the fuck up. <laughs> what do you mean, end off, shut the fuck up? That's the way it goes. What do you mean, end off, shut the fuck up? End off, shut the fuck up. <laughs> the fuck up. We'll get no Gallagher on the cover again and we'll slag his record off and he'll, he'll turn up because yeah, he's fucking into himself. That's rubbish. We should have a bit more fucking respect for our band. So that's, so that's them <laughs> just arguing about Noel doing the cover of Enemy to promote the band. And in the middle of it, Liam tells him, Ah, sure, I've got you a big house. No, no rights, everything. But <laughs> yeah. Liam got Liam him a big house. Yeah. <laughs> I heard a funny story about Noel. I just have to say this one. I forgot all about it. Noel, Noel Gallagher sold his house in Ibiza because James Blunt bought the house next door. <laughs> <laughs> the quote is, I couldn't stand the thought of that. Cunt writing his crap tunes over the road. <laughs> <laughs> there is, there, there's one thing about Gallagher, Noel over the years that yeah. I have thought, that man could definitely do stand-up comedy. No filter. Oh, absolutely. But his, his comedic timing is <coughs> fucking brilliant and his is so cotton. It's fucking brilliant. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the fights were about anything and everything. Um, right. But, I mean, when you got them into a studio and you got them... Uh, Unison. Get, especially after this album. But, right. I mean, the second album, they were just they were talking, they were firing out fucking a track a day. Yeah. Uh, and that was just... But Noel had written, as you said, darn so much stuff <coughs> before. Right. But, I mean... You're 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 talking one of the songs. Um, we'll we'll come on to the uh, the tunes going, but Supersonic. Uh, they talked about a documentary was written yeah. during a fucking a ten minute break. it's a full song. Said they went to get Chinese, and the time it took them to eat the Chinese, he had the song writes. But they were sitting there before that with nothing written. Yeah, they, they said they had the opening riff, and they were toying it with it for like three hours, and they're like, "This is going nowhere." And then them boys went to get food, and all stayed in the studio, and he said he had like six minutes of peace and quiet. And read the song. We'll come back to Supersonic uh, in a bit because uh, it gets a bit of a slagging, but we'll not. But uh, <laughs> well, here's we'll play we'll play a clip from it. So Supersonic again, that banging drums, mm-hmm. which sounds like fuck all on that unmastered yeah. recording. Mental.
that is a prime example of Noel's. Um, I'm glad that he gave the explanation that it was written in six minutes because mm. lyrically it kind of sounds like it was written in uh, six aye. minutes. Sorry, <laughs> it's the the, the Noel Gallagher make yeah. it anything and anything rhyme yeah. just to make it make sense. Uh, but I mean, it, the noise, as you say, coming straight from the oh, drums. Like, a lot of songs in this album with drum intros we were talking about. Uh, right? I can down the one like this, the drum ones that's mad like then through. They had, like Tony couldn't play it like. They had to, that's why there's like there's doubts coming in after that come in because he couldn't play down through. They had to do it like a hundred times and everything else was done. <laughs> and he was they were literally waiting on the drums oh. and they couldn't wait any longer. They're like, just do it like <laughs> drummer, do it. <laughs> do drum. <laughs> well we'll talk about drummers in a while actually when we get to the endless. But Fuck. so I mean there there has been then obviously a lot of because uh, at the time they wanted to, especially um during the nineties, they wanted to proclaim themselves and make themselves look like the new Beatles. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gallagher did genuinely, Liam did genuinely believe he was John Lennon. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, uh, the influence of that then obviously came shining through and everything he did, fucking from sunglasses to hair to fucking clothes, covering Beatles songs live, covering them, yeah. Uh, finishing that was the other thing in Finsbury Park, so that was really annoyed me. Finishing on the cover, why in the walrus? My generation. Oh, what? I, I, they do my, they don't that in Jude Holland as well. Do they do my generation? And finished with us, and I was like, you're. That's a fucking midway song. Mm. Don't, no band ever finishes on the cover, mm. except for Oasis. Uh, so that's when you knew you didn't give a fuck anymore. Mm. When you didn't finish on one of your big bangers, you finish on the Who. Um, but they were being known for sort of doing like, I'm not going to say ripoffs, but sort of like there's hom- inspiration. Homages, we'll say. It's mm. <laughs> a homage. You're being very diplomatic right now. Uh, something we always talk about on here is that where other tunes originate from, or like we had it with uh, Nirvana, with Come As You Are. Um, yeah, Killing Joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you always find like a, 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 a another tune that's maybe been yeah. sort of. Sound similar. One note off or something, or uh, half a note away. So, I mean, cigarettes and alcohol <clears> was <throat> one yeah. of the sort of. Uh, yeah, one of the most uh, recognisable instantly, I suppose, in the sense that it was another tune. But <coughs> we'll come on to that. We have Shaker Maker first because of its controversy. Aye. Darren, explain that to us. So, well, I'd never heard, this, like, I hadn't heard the original, like, the Coke ad, as it was called. Their, I'd like to sing the world a song or whatever. I'd like to teach the world a thing. That's what it is. I, uh, I hadn't heard that before. So, obviously, I was hearing this song for the first time. I was like, oh, this is class, reading into it, and then realised that. It was, I listened to the ad that they were referring to, and I was like, that is literally the exact no, it's, same. It's, There's no variation. No, it is the exact same. It's, uh, it was used in jingles, and it was used Aye. in... Uh, That's what they said. It was it, everywhere. Like. It was even uh, ad jingles on the radio. It was international. It was well, everywhere. Well, like I think, I hopefully, there's no ad place. Yeah. The world a home and furnish it with love. Grow up on trees and honey bees. Gay. And so gay. The video was gay. And I mean, happy. You, you can nearly guarantee what happens because it does happen. Uh, we talk about in comedy as well, where you can hear something. Subconsciously sinks in, and of then course. further on down the line, you come up and go, oh, Fuck, that's my ass. Then you realize, No, Tommy turned into that about two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but you think it's your own, and I, I assume out of their fucking tree in Crystal Meth mm. <laughs> in America, this ad was playing. Um, but so, I mean, it's it's definitely uh, a clear sort of knock off. It is, I well, when you hear Shaker Mirror, uh, that's yeah, you sort of, yeah. Mm. 
wonder if we mash them up. Don't. <laughs> Superior balls up. <laughs> that was pretty good, actually. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, so, somewhere along the line that has sunk in. But again, it doesn't stop. How do you describe that? It, like, it, they become so unique mm-hmm. that even taking uh, another melody, it sounds like an Oasis melody. Yeah. You have some stones that rub off Coca Cola, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the. Of all the people who could afford the lawyers to like, see yeah. you. Yeah. They said that when then, and it was ended up, they had to pay Coca Cola half a million. Oh, that's it? Uh, Half a million? And then, but no, said they all, they all drink Pepsi now. <laughs> but still take Coke. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, and the same thing then uh, was applied to uh, Get It On by uh, T-Rex. Which I forgot. Yeah. I forgot um, all I about it. I was listening to this album flat out last week, and then I got home and I was going, I was humming away at fucking this, this tune, and I went, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That sounds so much better than cigarettes and alcohol. Yeah. I can never see Oasis with a wee piano intro, but... <laughs> so, you can see, definitely, um, we'll, we'll give a wee, uh, <laughs> a wee nod to the, the uh, cigarettes and alcohol then, where you can see... You're bringing me so many fucking mixed 90s emotions. But MTV Europe. <laughs> that was the other thing too. So, I mean, it's it's kind of unique. Uh, we talked about it before with the Beatles, with Strawberry, mm-hmm. Strawberry Fields Forever, where forever, when they give it mm-hmm. the full Liverpudlian fucking spin. That there again, I mean, it's uh, Arctic Monkeys, I suppose, is the most uh, modern sort of taking that, but it was something unique about them too, singing in their own accent, which was something... No, I wasn't a fan of it either, but McGee said that has to say... Uh, uh, I mean... He, him, has uh, like the way he heard the sunshine part yeah, on, uh, and um, that was on that. that song, and then no, was like, nah, I hate that, don't do it. And it then ultimately became almost like a trademark. Uh, I mean, anybody that even attempted it afterwards was just a... a uh, joke now. Like. Yeah, it was a lame her rip off, obviously. Um, but, I mean, even the lyrics in that, that, you can see where it got people at the time, you know, um, like uh, talking about... The, is there looking for a job and is there anything worth working for? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It really did hit home a lot of people in their 90s. Like, it was yeah. fucking unreal how it really... And you have, like, you may as well do the white line. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was in the top ten as well. Like, yeah. It's probably the only town in the top ten has advocating cocaine on it, like... Well, it's probably well, it's probably every other week. It's just it's so uh, coded it's and so fucking hidden words. Either. They just come out and just said it. <laughs> they uh, didn't give a fuck. E's are good. E's are good. Ebony's are good. Ebony's are good. Oh, I. Um, and that was Manchester as well, around no, that scene, was it? Was it? Um, so the yeah, I mean it's, uh, but they were so blatant about it. Even if you remember the time, I mean, as you say, it was a uh, darn. You said it was like a tabloid just gives them excuse. That they were tabloid fodder at the time. Aye. You can't imagine what the sales of papers were based on. Of I their house all the time. Oasis and front page all the time. It was an instant seller for them. Um, I remember Christmas Eve. I remember being at a mate's house Christmas Eve in like <clears throat> 95, 96 
my ma picking me up and she was like, we need to go to Dunn's <laughs> to get whatever shit you need for Christmas Day. And I walked in with her and there was a paper stall at the front door. It was the front page of The Sun and it had a picture of Liam Yallagher giving the fingers. <laughs> and it was like, Liam goes to the shop. And I was like, scenes. What? <laughs> I went to the shop. I'm going to the shop now. It's not fucking newsworthy. Like. He made it newsworthy. He made it newsworthy. Oh, he does. Funny. He That's makes it newsworthy. Um, so, I mean, the album then, I mean, it's, you could see, we talked about it before. We talked about uh, Tony McCarroll. Yes. On drums. I mean, he, 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 he clearly wanted to be involved an awful lot. He had to have the intro, even cigarettes and alcohol. He still has to give us hi hat. <laughs> he had to be the intro to fucking everything. Um, and, and I mean, it, it's Noel's complaint was consistency that he didn't really have the consistency when and playing. From one bar to the next, he was just yeah. all the shop. <laughs> like the one line was, you don't know what he's doing from one bar to the next. Never, ah, mind, one, never mind one day to the next, you don't know what he's doing from one bar. So, I mean, give us the, the, the drumming insight into that, Mr. Moan. I mean, it's. Uh, is that just him improvising, or did he try and come up with his own style, or was he just shit? I, I think, even from any, like you referenced earlier, the practice videos that they uh, have, yep. he looks timid and nervous there. Mm. Playing live, he looks timid and nervous. Like, every aspect, I think this guy was just on tender hooks, like. Yeah, he, he looks a bag of nerves all the fucking time, mm-hmm. and if you're a bag of nerves, things go awry. Now, they could have used the fucking click track on him in the studio, that's okay, that can fix that, but live, that won't fix it, like. Because mm. you can still lose the fucking run of yourself completely. Yeah. But so, we talked about before, Dave Grohl used a click track for He, had to, yeah, he, he was had doing to. certain he was, songs yeah. he couldn't do. He yeah. just couldn't do. Lithium, wasn't it? He Lithium, couldn't Lithium, find the piece of Lithium. Beat, yeah. So he used a click track, synced into it, and he's used it ever since when he plays drums. Mm-hmm. So, but this guy, I think he just was like the guy who had a drum kit up the road. <laughs> yeah. And he was a mate. Yeah. You're in our band. Now Liam's in. That boy's there already. All right, Liam. All right, Tony. How's it going? (laughs) Two boys are friends now. Right, great. Now we're massive. Tony's sitting in the middle of us going, I'm in fucking over my head in this shit. But I'm going to have to bid on because there's a bit of cash coming in. (laughs) And he had a win. And he had a win. He was only one he had a win. The Live Forever video too. The buried him. The buried the drummer. (laughs) Literally buried him. That wasn't a sign. Things to come. As I said, prophetic at all times. They know exactly what's coming. They know uh, what's going on. He took them to court too. Yeah. Because I mean, he did. I um, mean, uh, there's a, there's there, there's a crossover. He did all the drumming in this album, Aye. but there's a crossover thing done, of was it whatever maybe or something like that. Some might say, yes, yes, that's right. yeah. So there was a crossover there as well. And and listen, uh, darn, I don't know if you've if you've you know the history. Um, but uh, oh Jesus Christ, you know I I've had a Tony McCarroll moment. You know what I mean? Tell I so I was in a band, you know, and. Uh, I was the drummer, mm-hmm. you know, and in fairness, I had a bit of a Tony problem too. Consistency wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly just wasn't consistent to keep in time. Right. Which... Big problem, kind of. It kind of turns out <laughs> to be something essential to drumming. It wasn't really explained to me at the time, you know what I mean? But um, so, you know, things were getting Aye. successful. You know, we um, we had managed to play at the Royal Arms. You know, we were moving Big to... Big venue, we were moving up in the world, and yeah. I, it was getting over my head. You know what I mean? Getting over mm-hmm. my head. And then they brought in another guy. They just rang me and said, "You know, you're you're out, and uh, we have another drummer in." What band was this? Um, Soul Purpose. We were eventually called, and uh, mm-hmm. so then the boy, a boy called Ronan Emmett Mullen was taken in then to be the drummer. And no way. Do you know, I, I totally... You usurped? I totally understand. <laughs> Tony McCarroll talks about in the documentary, you know, he, he the feeling he had ever since. And I imagine that we both had the same feeling. Hmm. You know, you were gutted about being put out of a band, but the band instantly got better. Yeah. 
two kicks in the teeth. <laughs> an awful kick in the balls. Now, I would have loved for it went on to be in that you fucked up and <laughs> set fire to the fucking, set fire to the minibus or Found something that was taking you to the <laughs> Hillsborough and the Europa Hotel and all those places that you end up playing in. But no, nothing happened. You just got fucking better and funnily enough, he's kept time. Time was, was, time was important. <laughs> fills were possible. Phil, there was fills. Time. <laughs> you know, all the good stuff. <laughs> so poor Tony, uh, I feel your pain, but yes, they got a lot better afterwards. And uh, I mean, but uh, I mean, it was fucking heartbreaking. It must have been to be going it's on, got, like, especially when you would have seen aye. that following year. You, you know, think you can get that? Like, and then yeah, and you see Don't Look Back and Anger comes out. Do you remember yeah. the impact it had? Because oh, massive. Wonderwall had set that, if you think of singles level, Wonderwall had set the tone. Like I said, it was a fucking almost in, instant impact. But Don't Look Back and Anger took it through the fucking roof. And uh, imagine being him watching that and then progression to Nebworth and mm. all the rest that led from that. It must have been heartbreaking sitting. Thankfully, you used, used went down in a blaze of glory about a year later, and I was grand. But <laughs> because we were all moving on to university. <laughs> no, no, because he's failed, because of not being a shit drummer. Everyone was moving on. <laughs> we even got younger singers, but then no. when, the, when, the, when the man left, like, that was it. That was it. Had Done. a life. And I mean Sweeney, by the man. I don't mean me. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it must have been difficult for him, but it did improve the band. I yeah. mean, you, they brought in... Uh, what was Alan, Alan, White. Alan White. He was a drummer, I think, in the... Paul Weller's brother band, I think. That's something like that, I think. So and connection with Paul Weller. Aye, Paul Weller's drummer is Alan White's brother. That's yes. all the brother. So he, he Steve came White, isn't it? Steve? Like he came in on like a Friday or Saturday, and then, by the way, you're playing fucking Top of the Pops on Wednesday. <laughs> so straight in with... Uh, but, I mean, uh, it's kind of like I always think of it, that the modern version of it is the bass player for me is Arctic Monkeys, mm. who and left Nicole after like the greatest debut album of all time, the biggest no. song. And then this the was so the biggest sound debut the album of all time until yeah, Arctic Monkeys. Arty Monkeys. And then yeah. Leona Lewis beat that again. Oh, really? There's mm. another. Oh, for fuck's sake. Hearsay had beat it actually before that. Hearsay? Hearsay had beat Oasis before. Pure and Simple? Or, yeah. Pure and Simple's going to be there. Pure and Simple. Pure and Simple. <laughs> dong. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, but uh, yeah, for a debut album, I mean, massive sales. But then, what's the story? Morning Glory came out. But, I mean, this all. What story Morning Glory may not have even happened without the sort of fight that happened in LA and he flew off Aye. and wrote Talk Tonight and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Yep, yep. And it sort of opened up a whole new avenue of songwriting. But, you know, basically what happened then, Noel kind of, he justified the way I thought about you, Mullen. Um, <laughs> and and, and I, I just thought it was fucking fantastic. I thought, fucking Noel, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, and that was Tony's last gig. Yeah, I probably made up my mind knowing that Champagne Supernova was coming up and Don't Look Back in Anger and Wonderwall that he wasn't going to be able to play those songs. It become apparent recording, definitely, maybe. We spent a lot of time fucking about trying to get the drums right, and it was never right. When we were doing some, I'd say and stuff, Noel was like to me, it's fucking the last time he's ever in the fucking studio. I was going to Tony, Tony, you've got to get your shit together, Tony. Or bye, Tony. Drummers <laughs> <laughs> are really smelly, useless, talentless, losers, man. This is the bit. I mean, fancy having a job where you bang things all day. That's what orangutans do, that, don't they? And gorillas and monkeys and that. They just bang things, like bang dustbin lids on their heads and all that. <laughs> That's what they do, isn't it? And drummers just do it and get paid loads of money for it. Fucking sack them all drum machines, I say, man. I'm telling you, can't wait till I'm in a dance band. Press the button. 
doesn't answer back, you don't have to feed it, you don't have to pay no money, you don't have to buy any drugs, you don't have to get any women, you don't have to do nothing, you put it in the flight kit, fuck it in the back of the truck and then scoop it. Now, if there was ever a way, just fuck it in the back of the truck and never speak to it again. I mean, uh, I think that's the way the rockets treat you, but I'm, that's the way I'm treated anyway, to be fair. But I was going to say, what's different there? <laughs> so, again, when you would expect a wee bit of humility from Noel uh, after maybe just breaking the man's heart, no, no he just sacking kicks a man. him when he's down uh, and reminds him that, yeah, we fucking buried you alive uh, in a video. <laughs> it was a, it's sort of one of those, but again, I remember being at school. And the, the right the start of these guys and the singles starting to be playing on the radio and stuff and the album wasn't out yet. And I remember clearly walking to get the bus from some Pats and a boy saying to me, See the drummer in that band? He's from Funtna. And I went, Fuck away off <laughs> Funtna. And I remember standing at the shelter in the bus table with Cormac and this other kid, I can't remember his fucking name now, going, Funtna and everybody going, Funtna <laughs> And then boys from Fentna going, Fentna! <laughs> but it turns out... And the boys from Fentna going, no, tell me, which is And go, how do you know you don't know what we're talking about? But what it turns out is like his mum's from Tyrone, Taddy Ray, Fentna, wherever, somewhere yeah. about here. And the dad's from Cork or something. So, have we ever found out, was it Fentna or was it Taddy Ray? I think his dad was from Cork and his mum's from Offaly. And then they met in a bar in Manchester when they were living over there because they moved over there. No, McCarroll. Oh, McCarroll, not the Gellers. McCarroll. No, I'm on about McCarroll. I don't think it. I thought his mum was from Throne. I don't know his if that dad was. His dad was from Throne. His dad was from Throne. His dad's from Throne. Right. And his ma's from Offaly. There's a load of McCarrolls out there. Aye, because <laughs> Tony McCarroll, you're like. Nah, he's from out the road. He but I, didn't, I, I genuinely never ever knew And obviously none of us can confirm this today Which is fucking terrible I never knew if that was just an urban myth so, he was from so there exactly, But it happened so early that I went Somebody has turned around I remember D Ream being on the fucking radio Where that thing's going to get better And somebody went, he's just a man yeah. And it was instant And I <laughs> went, well, it must be true Because it was so quick It was one of those things That was probably one of the things I knew Before even like the Wonderwall uh, revelation yeah, Was yeah. that there was a link to her own somewhere But there you are, so that's what it is Well, well, But the sectum But I got rid of him Because... <laughs> He was too reserved, came from a big family, <laughs> and uh, couldn't keep time. So, uh, Darren, I mean, when it comes to this album, what's your first go-to track? Slide uh, Away. Slide Away? Every time. Right, okay. Okay, it's like, it's, it's the best song on there. Like, I, uh, it's a good song. The it's only song that's weak on this entire album I know is Diggsy's <laughs> Dinner. <laughs> Liam said he ref that's the only song that he will refuse to play live. It's He won't play it at all, will he not? Will not play Like, it. it sort of it loses the run itself the minute he starts singing. Has to be the shortest way it's a song too. It's like two and a half minutes or something. And the minute he says lasagna, I'm out. Aye. I can't. I skip it. Lasagna. Every, that's it. That's Every time I'm gone. Like, it's like, why did you put that one in there? Why is lasagna in there? Like, but I, 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 like every other song leading up to it. And they do a good break of, you know, songs that aren't singles in between. You know, it's, there's a great run. Yeah. It ends on a great song. Slide Away is a great song well, And then this thing's near the tail end And you're going Why is that there? The songs they released on the deluxe You have like Sad Song And Fade Away And there's a couple other ones in there Whatever Unbelievable Whatever Like, like that, that was, was recorded like, in the same sections as this songs, and, and they didn't put it in the album was it Dixie's Dinner on it Dixie's Dinner Well here's Here's your favourite
bass is so heavy. What they sort of give the impression of when they're talking about when they remixed it and did the proper mastering was that it got more guitar heavy, so more attack. Yeah. But the basses is as adjusted. Like they didn't just focus on certain, they, they adjusted everything to the right track by track. Yeah. They didn't just do a blanket over the whole fucking album. They, they actually right. did work individually but on the tracks. You could see them why would you, you'd be able to fire out a track a day on the second album because yeah. they knew exactly what yeah, it was. They, had, like. they yeah. had the method done. I think the bass is quite or over or quite underrated on Oasis albums in general because you see him stand there quite as quiet as can be inside the stage playing root notes like but mm-hmm. it's really good playing. No, like. he's, 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 he's solid like, like he really is. Yeah. Like it really is because you notice the difference if he wasn't there like mm-hmm. you drop him out like be here now. <laughs> <laughs> oh why that's right. <laughs> Just leave the bass out of the whole thing. Like. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, so Darren, I mean, I, I would, I would, uh, I would say this is probably the last time Oasis will appear on Festival Fest. Yeah, but it probably my, my, might my have come about. We, we we weren't massive fans, but I mean, it wasn't on our original list. Mm. But it's no, there's no denying that the impact that it had. I mean, it was like last band to maybe have a cultural shift. Yeah, I mean, it changed the culture. Said, the dynamic, yeah, they said that the UK or not even general music was coming out of grunge. Yeah, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots, a lot of stuff. It was depressing. Like at the end of the day, yeah. like it is depressing stuff. And then they came out and just said, "Let's get fucked up and do drugs." Like, yeah. and but it was it was so people. But be happy about doing it instead, instead of being fucking suicidal yeah, about it, which is the other ones. Yeah, that's yeah. what Noel said. He was like, he was on about Nirvana singing that song. He was on about the Kurt singing like, "I hit, I have a song." What was it called? It was like, "I hit myself and I want to die." Uh, yeah. And Noel was like, "I'm not having that." Yeah. <laughs> no, so no. I, I get up in the morning and it's class. Yeah. And that's, that was the whole point of his. That was the whole point of his songs. Like, I know that it did, um, and it's sad to say that the the true reality did come crashing down because uh-huh. I mean the the output towards the end, and that's what should be the marker of a great band is their full entire yeah, catalog. constant output of good yeah and uh but, my, but i mean they're, they're impacted at the time because i'm gonna play a track here so this rem did a song then because obviously they must have had quite a day at slain castle 1995 supported them, didn't <laughs> yeah they? who who's who supported who always supported rem no only one year in of course uh not even support they were like third or fourth on the on the bill. okay but it was one of those ones where i think that if i remember correct the timing of it it was like, uh, what's the story had just come out. It was ninety five, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, but mm-hmm. I think like they, they had been booked probably back in January, February. When that's how quick Oasis rise was, that they were nothing maybe in January, not nothing. They had done definitely, Aye, but not what but they were. They were fucking. They should have been headlining lane by the time the summer came. Yeah, but to be fourth down the list because yeah. you know the things. Um, so they must have had quite an impact on Michael Stipe because he then wrote uh, the Wake Up Bomb, which is a song basically all about Oasis, where he. Mm. Slags him off. <laughs> Have you ever heard the song? No, I don't like R.E.M. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like a few songs. Um, what, what album is the song? It's is it on, on a, a later album or is it? It's on New Adventures in Hi-Fi, which came out after Monster, which was the tour right. that they were supporting yeah. them on. But um, it's always my, I'm going to play a clip, it's always my, the lyrics of it because it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's quite scary stuff. Yeah, Tarmac, a supersonic, Get 
sing along with Queen. He <laughs> always does. Like it was, it was so. Uh, Mega Stipe was well he, known for not being bitchy in any way whatsoever. Yeah, there's no cattiness there, absolutely whatsoever. But I could just, you can just imagine what happened. Yeah, like you're, yep. you've got the Gallagher brothers yep. are right oh, back fuck. in Ireland. Oh, right? boy. the whole crowd to the fucking moon. The whole shucks. The whole crowd's for them. They're oh. on their side, and Stipe and his fucking standing there getting Shiny, this, happy get, get this, get this blue paint over his eyes. But again, <laughs> you're seeing as well. Michael Stipe's walking around there, going, "We're headlining this lane." He's walking around. <laughs> everybody's wearing a razor t-shirt. Yeah, and he's going. What the fuck's happening? <laughs> and that's the product of it then, a real catty fucking song. But I always did like that about the practice your T-Rex moves and make a scene. Well, Because of the, obviously the yeah, reference yeah. to it. Remember in the Supersonic documentary, the, the, the bit where Michael Hutchins gives out an award oh, at the Brit Awards? Bad, that was bad speak, hey? And he goes, Noah Gallagher goes, has-beens should not be handing out awards to gonna bees. <laughs> and Michael Hutchins is just stand there. This goes on backstage. And Liam and Noel and Michael Hutchins slap the fucking head of each other. <laughs> now Hutchins apparently could because he's a wiry sort of fast wee boy. So the two was, boys were doing. He was always handy. Yeah, Mike football. Liam was fucking handy. Liam, well, Noel maybe not so much, but Hutchins was writing a song for their next album called "Elegantly Wasted." Do you remember that song? Oh yeah. It's about him and Bono on right. a night out. Right. So in the song, in the chorus, the the melody is "I'm elegantly wasted." He he sings "I'm better than Oasis." Jesus. That's his comeback to getting the head slapped of him with the bit of words. But then again, let's remember, he died having a danger wank. He did. He did. <laughs> not, the, not the smartest of boys, 100% anyway. After Ryan and Bob Geldof. After Ryan and Bob Geldof. Don't fuck Jesus. about with the realm, boys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, yes, I mean, uh, it, they did ruffle a lot of feathers at the time. Uh-huh. I mean, they come in. But I mean, it's, it's sort of, like we said at the very start, the attitude had to be backed up by the songs and, and it was, was you know and that's the, that is the one thing about them there, there's been so many bands before and after who's full of talk yeah but they couldn't carry through but they did if you take that compilation or that if you want to combine the two mm-hmm. albums together but just this is a standalone album yeah it definitely hasn't got a weak link in that sense even with dixie's dinner it's an ironic weak link but it's not it's not put on there because it's not like they put it because it's funny. They thought it was funny. Like, yeah, uh, they put it because it's funny, and, and they know they've got a whatever. Uh, they've, they've got whatever sitting in the yep, corner. Yep, yeah. So whatever's yeah, ready yeah. to go, which yep. became a number one single right away. Which was I mean, about, it was I, that I fucking mean, instant. That melody was just instantly catchy, and I mean, it was it became a, an anthem right uh, away. Just soon your first. There's a really like, really good hell. version of it they did in um, in Barrowlands in Glasgow. Right. And um, Noel does it himself. No band, no strings, no drums or nothing, and he. Gets to the end of the song, whatever you do, mm-hmm. and he breaks into Octopus's garden. Oh, I've heard oh, that. Yeah, I've heard yeah, the whole, yeah, and the whole, s- the whole that, like, is yeah. unreal. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. I don't, I don't know your history with after the second album, but I pretty much tailed off. I don't remember much after. Oh no, I couldn't. I mean, it got to by the time the by the time is it be here now? Mm-hmm. By the time it was coming out, me and. Uh, the the lead singer in our band, Go on, yeah. our split, uh, our dissident band that we set up, um, our <laughs> when we broke away from the, the realm, re- and the continuity, the, real, the real band, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the real sole purpose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think we were called Estate Brent. Oh, I I have visuals of a poster with the yeah. state written on it. Uh-huh. 
Thank you, Do you remember, uh, We well, we won't name anybody on this because uh, they might not want to be reminded of their history, but we had a talk with some recently, a lead singer, mm-hmm. um, a lot of acoustic stuff and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of Oasis songs. So I was doing a very, very bad imitation, uh, impersonation of Tony McCarroll uh, at oh. a few gigs playing a lot of Oasis songs. But, uh, I mean, by the time the third album came out, I had sort of come around to Oasis by that stage, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It was like, right, okay, I get this now. Um, and then I realized, no, they were shit. Uh, <laughs> well, no, Stand By Me was a great tune. In see, see, in 1994, a lot of albums that I still listen to came out, but this one I ended up listening to as much. Mm. And I, I, I just, it stuck with me. That album was just, it's so, and it's still really, really good. It sounds amazing. Like It's always the one I would go to as opposed to What's the Story. I think What's the Story, same. it kind of annoyed our generation because it was fucking played everywhere. Exactly. Wonderwall and Don't Look Back in Anger and Champion Supernova were exactly. like... They were like the, the Ed Sheeran songs of the I day. They were like, that, but the tunes aren't even bad. They're not bad. No, they're they're just they've been played, overplayed. It's not like, radio like, yeah. fodder like Ed Sheeran yeah. 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 Like I'd say in a few more years' time, if me and you went back to watch the story, we'd probably say, ah, it's fucking good. Like, I'm still second by 95, 96, 97 because there's a phenomenal Some might say and roll with it and stuff like that. They're they're brilliant just, songs. They're, but they, they released, I think, is it something like six out of the album is, were singles? Something so like then that. you had six songs that were just droned into your head mm. nonstop. Mm. And it was like, so coming at it from an, a later age is deadly yeah. because you get it fresh. And of it's course. Only yours, of course. You, but you didn't but have you never it. seen how second people were by yeah. the press and by, like, it was. Everywhere, yeah, and the blur oasis thing, as you referred to, was fucking unstoppable. Like, it was, I, I love that. The, the second like, album was uh, the second yeah, album, yeah. The second one, I remember well, the, the, it was roll with it against house, uh, country, country house, house. I, I remember too, yeah. and, and going and buying country house too, just make sure that's a good song too. Like, I like it, it's a great tune. It is, it is a good problem. Is but, but at what, that time, I was going, I hate both of them now. I don't want to well, fucking hear any. I like Swede, I hate to fire any conspiracies, and you know, go for it. But sometimes the media do that. But I don't put people against each other. Sort no, of. No I, I swear to God, it's out there. It's out there. It's a bit tough. Sure. But they kind but of then, like to divide people. But I mean, because there's there's equal amount of space for country house and roll with it. But you know, there's saying, there's no problem. There doesn't have to be a one or the don't other. Don't you bring that fucking shit <laughs> when you have somebody that's like to this as, podcast as determined as it's like Noel and Liam to get to number one. There is no other space for any other people up there. Like they want to get there. Like, but then country house got there. But but but. Whatever, good, whatever did, happened, surely the record companies didn't win there. Oh, no. No, definitely How much not. was a single then? <laughs> five know, four, four, four or five pounds. Four or five pounds for a single. A no, album was a, a tenor. Song. A song. A song. <laughs> with two fucking acoustic but covers actually, thrown in. Back <laughs> but it actually was back in the day when you were excited, especially if you were into a band, you were really excited about the B-sides. Of course. You know, you were really wanting to get, and some of those obviously B-sides were fucking, you know, Talk Tonight and things like that, Master Plan. Um, so, yeah, we, I mean, when it came to the, the how many fucking tracks came out it mm-hmm. was there was just sort of saturation if you want to call it that but when you go back down and listen to it again you go ah you can see why they were fucking oh, catchy tunes like. there's a good review in the nme of this album and it pretty much sums up what we've been talking about to be honest the fact is that too much heartfelt emotion ingenious belief and patent songwriting savvy rushes through the debut album for it to be a work of a bunch of wind-up merchants it's like opening your bedroom curtains one morning and discovering that some fuckers built the Taj Mahal in your backyard, <laughs> but he's filled it with your favorite flavor of angel delight. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, that's a great review. That for is an a album. great review, and it pretty much sums it up. It's it's there because it, on merit, it deserves yeah. to be there. It's a great debut album. It's a great album in general. Good album in general, but to be a debut is yeah. It's, it's I'd be wary of people who don't like Oasis, like in general, because I'm like. 
how do you not like at least like any I, songs? like every song like you like, can't I'm hate there and say, every oh, song i hate all of his songs blah 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 like you're bound to like there's all like one of all even like one of the, the generic ones like you're bound to like at least one of them like yeah yeah like, like, we've like, been talking household band, like we've are. been talking about don't look back in anger and wonderwall specifically from the second album aye. but when it's half two in the morning and you're on the way home and somebody's this playing is it the thing and everybody's singing aye. it you're singing it like aye. i do tell people i don't like oasis because i don't really i would never have them on a playlist i never Put them on. Way, it's, you know, I would never go looking for them, but that's again back to that history of it sort mm-hmm. of thing. And because there is the argument of it being simplistic in regards to the musical yep. creation and lyrics <clears> and all the rest, but it hit a certain moment. And to be honest with you, at that time, everybody thought it was going to die out. Yeah. But as you can see, having a younger guest on tonight, no, it, it doesn't. It goes on to the generations after it. And I mean, it would probably be one of the biggest UK. Concerts ever if they returned? Oh, it would pass uh, over everything. Nothing would ever without touch it. Do you know what I mean? It would be what was the percentage for network? Percent of the UK population apply, apply for tickets. Ticket. <laughs> was it five million people or something? Something stupid. You I couldn't know. put them anywhere. You couldn't. What is there? There's sixty million people in the UK it. now. Odd sixty like odd million. Something like that. It will be on. And that's the reason why I knew, knew Darren from where we were interacting on Twitter, and I seen him post about Oasis, and I was going, "What?" Is it still it? And then oh, it it's was. It's eye. fucking massive. Yeah. Liam Gallagher is a celebrity on Twitter as well as being Liam Gallagher. I, 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 well, that's, a, a, that's what happened to me. I, I started yeah. following him on Twitter and I was going, I actually like his he's attitude. Just yeah. like he he put up something. That somebody asked him a question. What's your favorite superhero when the Avengers films were coming to the end? He goes, SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked into it. Liam Gallagher has an Andy Warhol-like poster of SpongeBob in his living room. Oh, and this is a quote of SpongeBob from him. SpongeBob is a fucking mental, full of beans, enthusiastic sponge that lives at the bottom of the sea in Bikini Bottom. He's mad for it. <laughs> about SpongeBob? He's mad for it. As, loves as you SpongeBob. were. As you were. I love the way I But here's there's that. one last story I have to tell about. Somebody asked Liam Gallagher, what's your relationship now with Paul McCartney since you called him too nice? Uh-huh. Oh, and he goes, oh, I've met him a few times. He's an absolute dream. The last time I was at the Royal Albert Hall, he goes, why are you always in a rush? Sit down, sit down. So I sat down. He goes, do you like margaritas? And he goes, hi, but I had something before I came out. I don't eat it this time of night. And he goes, it's a drink, you fucking prick. He <laughs> <laughs> said, I thought he was offering me a pizza. <laughs> Backstage at the Royal Arbor Hall. Liam would sit all day doing Twitter, replying to people. And Why? just like, it, you go to the comments, it actually is Hamley. No, it's Hamley. It's not somebody handling his phone for him. It's no. definitely yes, him. Like somebody, Joker came out there, 20, 2019. Somebody goes, uh, have you seen Joker yet? And he goes, no, I haven't seen him for years. <laughs> <laughs> he just takes the hand like, all the time. It's quite funny. Like. Well, so, ladies and gentlemen, go back and uh, re-listen, if you can, obviously. Um, obviously get it on all platforms. But definitely, maybe, Oasis, something uh, now into the vault of best of the best. Uh, mm. Thank you, Darren Mitchell. Thanks for coming along. Thanks and uh, Spread the word and go and have a listen and... Watch them. Uh, watch Supersonic as well. Actually, uh-huh. oh, if, you, if you if you could do that as a as your weekly package or homework, go and listen to the album and then watch the documentary. And the two combined will give you a, something to pass the time. So, yeah. Darren, thank you very much for no coming along. Cheers, hey. Ronan Emmett Mullen. <laughs> just scumbag. Love, just love SpongeBob. <laughs> <You> <laughs> absolute scumbag. It's just the money he said SpongeBob. I man, like I just can't get away from it now. <laughs> just go away and fucking bang things, will you? Right. <laughs> 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 <laughs>